Today we're continuing through the book of Galatians. We're in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16 through 26. And so while you're turning there, uh, let me tell you a story or, or whatever. You, you, remember, you remember when you were uh, a child and, and uh, you had your first crush or you had first puppy love or what, however you want to phrase it. And, and you were wanting to take the relationship to the next level. You know, to the next level to where you send the note, say, do you like me? Circle yes or no. And so trying to gain the confidence to do that, then, then a lot of times many people would take a daisy. And I know this isn't a daisy. It's the only flower that I could get for free on my way to church this morning. I ran out in the field and cut a clump of them and, and peeled one off. And so and so, but we would, we would do the, the deal. Remember, we would take a daisy and we'd start pulling the petals and she loves me. She loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And we would go all the way around the flower hoping to end up, he loves me or she loves me so that we could have the confidence. Now, it, it didn't mean they loved us or not. It was no indication. It was kind of an emotional thing we did hoping to give us enough confidence that when we send the letter, do you like me, circle yes or no, that the answer would be yes. Sadly, a lot of Christians live their entire life doing that with God. I accepted him. He loves me. I didn't pray. He loves me not. I prayed. He loves me. I got, I got angry. I said something I should not have said. He loves me not. I got baptized. He loves me. I gossiped. He loves me not. I helped someone in need. He loves me. And we go all the way around the flower. And religion teaches you this. Hoping that when you die you end up on the pedal he loves me and you go to heaven and Paul says and Paul has been saying all the way through the book of Galatians that is no way to live that is religion that is the law that is works that is Jesus plus something in fact is, this is just some emotional thing that we do that has no indication whether God loves us or not. The same with puppy love. The same when we fell in love for the first time and all that other stuff. It's just some emotional game that we play. And Paul is saying, that is not Christianity. That is not a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact is, that will leave you always wanting more and never knowing where you stand with God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And listen, I'm going to read the whole group of scriptures, and we're going to go through it. And I'm going to tell you, this is some tough sledding this morning. 
I mean, this is some tough stuff. And that's the reason that I preach through books of the Bible, because it forces me and it forces us to hear the whole counsel of God's Word. I mean, there are things, I'll just tell you, there are things that I love to preach on, and you know what? There are some things that aren't my favorite things to preach on because they're difficult and they're hard. And probably the same is true for you. There are some things that you'd love for me to preach on. I couldn't preach on it enough. And there are some other things that are a little bit difficult for us to hear. And today may be one of those days. And I am asking you, boy, hang with me so that we understand this scripture the way that it is written in the context. Here's what Paul says when he's explaining this. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. That is an imperative. That is a command. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing... um, things that you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the spirit of the fruit uh, of the, the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit, is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, is goodness, is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Let us not provoke one another in love. Let us not envy one another. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you, I humbly ask you, help me to communicate properly in your spirit this difficult text this morning. And Father, I ask that you not only help me Because I feel so inadequate this morning. That, Father, that you would help us to understand this word. And that it wouldn't just be information or knowledge to us. But, Father, it would be something that we would apply to our life. So, Father, we ask and we trust that you'll speak to us directly from your word to our hearts, into our minds, and may it make a difference in our life today and tomorrow and the next day. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul begins to tell us and Paul begins to lay out for the Galatians and us as well what it means to live a spirit-filled life. Now, there are some that will tell you that the only evidence of a spirit-filled life is some things that are motion, whether it's speaking in tongues, speaking in unknown languages, prophecy, miracles, healing, all of these other things. And Paul would say, you know what? The evidence of a spirit-filled life is love. The evidence of a spirit-filled life is, is, 
is evident in the way that we love one another, the way that we serve one another, the way that we handle our life. And so Paul begins to help them understand how to have victory in the Christian life, what it means to walk in the Spirit in the Christian life. In fact is, that's basically what he said several times. I'm just pulling these principles right out of Scripture, that if we're going to have victory in the Christian life, we're to walk by the Spirit, we're to be led by the Spirit, and then we're to, be, we're to live by the Spirit. The first one is this, what it means to be to walk by the Spirit. He says this, verse 16, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. That is an imperative. That is a command. He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All through the New Testament, Paul and other New Testament writers continually are encouraging people to live by the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit. You see, we're not going through life, He loves me, He loves me not, He loves me, He loves me not. We know we have been justified, we have been adopted, we're His child, and now we come into the Christian life not trying to earn His love or not trying to develop His love or not trying to come to the point so that we earn heaven or we get to go to heaven. We know that, and now then we walk in the Spirit to please him. See, to walk in the Spirit means that we order our lives with God's command where our life becomes more and more and we understand transformation and we understand it's a process, but to where our lives are ordered more and more to where we reflect God's character. Walking means to walking means to live out our life in in faith. Do you realize every choice that I make, every choice that you make, you are choosing to live in the flesh or live in the spirit? I mean, Paul gives the list. Paul helps us to understand the attributes, how I know whether I've stepped into the flesh and I'm responding out of flesh. Remember, he's talking to believers, brothers, those that are justified. You're not justified one moment and unjustified the next. He's talking to believers. He's given us evidence of the way that we know that I know when I'm in the flesh and when I'm in the spirit. See, we have to understand what Paul was trying to help them understand as believers, that the flesh and the spirit oppose one another. They're in conflict with one another. Verse 17, watch this. For the desires of the flesh, man, they're against the Spirit. They have nothing in common. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed. And they're opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so, verse 19 through 21, Paul lays out to them and says, in case you don't know, here's, here's the work of the flesh. Here's the, the sinful nature, the desires the, that, that we make. And, and so he walks all the way through, whether it's, whether it's sins of thought, sins of, of, of the heart, sins of action, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's impurity, whether it's jealousy and anger and rage and all of those other things, whether it's actions that we have. And Paul helps them understand that it's all of them. And Paul is helping them understand as believers there is a battle going on. And the flesh is opposed to the spirit. I mean, you understand, right? You're in a battle. It would be worse if there was no battle at all because there'd be no spirit. The battle... 
They're opposed to one another. Is there. You don't have to be embarrassed by it. You don't have to be upset by it. It would be worse if there's no battle at all. I mean, I've been around professing Christians that are living life totally in the flesh, doing all sorts of different stuff, and justify it and say, it's no big deal. It don't bother me. It's not an issue. I don't believe all that. Paul is trying to get them to understand. The battle is good to understand that. And we've got to understand we're in a battle. I mean, here a while back, we, we changed cable providers, and, you know, you, we're, so you get the good deal for two years or three years or whatever, and, and we moved over to DirecTV. And so when we moved over to DirecTV, part of the, the special was you had to take Showtime. Now, we've never, we've never had a pay, paid movie can, ch- uh, channel in our house, and, and so I'm like, you know what? I, no, I, I don't want it. And they're like, well, the only way you get the special deal is you get Showtime. And I'm like, well, I can't just cut it right now. No, you can't cut it right now. And so I don't understand that whole deal. But anyway, uh, so we, we get it. And, man, I, I was flipping channels one night, and I was shocked what I saw on Showtime. Maybe I'm naive and maybe I'm sheltered. I don't know. I was shocked. I don't need that. I don't need that temptation in my house. There's a battle going on. Sin entices. Sin draws you in. James says... The reason it's a temptation is because you desire it. I mean, I've told you this before. Nobody's ever been tempted over rice cakes. <laughs> you got to pay me to eat one. <laughs> Why? Because we don't desire it. And James says sin is enticing, and it's not the outside in, it's the inside out. And even, you know, it was a crazy deal. Even when I called up and tried to cancel Showtime, it took talking to two different people, begging them because we still had time on the clock that it was free, and they could not. I finally said, hey, it's junk. (laughs) Then I thought, oh, man, this guy's a fanatic. We better (laughs) cut it. (laughs) But I don't need that in my house. I don't need that temptation. And we as believers, we got to understand you know what? There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on in our life. Romans 8, 7, Paul says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. In other words, what Paul is saying is, Without the Spirit, we don't even fight. We don't even have the power to fight. If you have that battle this morning, you should praise God for the struggle because you are His. Because a spirit is in you. If not, you're hostile to God. 
because there is no spirit. Verse 17, for these things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you, you want to do. I mean, Paul, right, and you guys don't have this in the computer back there at the sound area, but it was, Paul was the guy. They said, why is it? I end up doing the things that I do not want to do, that I said I wouldn't do, that I made that commitment. I said I'd never do it again. And the things that I want to do, the good that I want to do, there are times that I end up not doing it. And Paul goes on in verse 16 and he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What a great promise, even though there's a battle, even though there's a war, even though there's defeat, there's still a victory. I mean, he's promising them, if you will learn, he's talking to believers, if you will learn to quit walking in the flesh, understand that the flesh and the law, neither one of them ends up well. Neither one of them gives you what you want. Neither one of them. If you will learn in the to walk in the flesh, to walk in the spirit instead of the, 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 to walk in the spirit instead of the flesh, that there is, there is victory. And pro- Paul is confident when you read all the way through Galatians, they heard the gospel, they responded to the gospel, they received Christ, Christ lives within them in the power of the Holy Spirit. They find themselves doing some things that they don't want to do. They're like many of us who say, you know what, I just can't help it. I cannot break that habit. I cannot break that sin. I cannot break that issue in my life. Do you realize what you're saying when you say that? That God is too small to change you. I can't change. God doesn't have the power to to change me. And Paul is trying to help them understand that Christ's commands are obeyed only through the Spirit. It's the only way. I mean, Jesus said in John 14, 15, says, if you love me, boy, you'll keep my commandments. Spirit-filled. Power. We, we had some friends that lived out on the mason. They had like this, this lab. And, and if you know anything about a lab, a lab has a characteristics or a natural desire to run and to hunt and all that other stuff. And, and they didn't have a fence and they had a swimming pool and we were over there one time and sitting out. And so they were talking about it. I think Earl was the name of their dog or something like that. Nope, it's not. Uh, so anyway, it's not Earl. <laughs> And so, uh, so the dog, not Earl, hadn't been home in like days. And so they're going, yeah, this dog just runs and hunts and stuff like that. And so I don't know how it is, but dogs have like that sixth sense. You know, they, they just kind of know stuff that, you know, we can't figure out. Well, the dog showed back up and the dog was dragging something and Karen's sitting uh, around the pool with everyone else. But this dog wanted to show Karen whatever he brought home. And so we're all trying to figure out, what's he carrying? What's he dragging? And he ran right up to Karen. And I mean, she literally lost it. Uh, He's bringing the hind quarters of a deer. (laughs) And 
And she doesn't even, you know, anyway. And so she's like getting really excited. She's standing up on her chair. On her chair. And I think, I think the dog, what she's communicating to the dog is, let's celebrate and we're proud of you. Happy rah-rah. And so the dog is crawling up in the chair trying to give it to it. She's backed all the way up. And so, uh, you know, and the guys are sitting around. We're trying to figure out, hey, was that a six-point, eight-point? You know, how big was that? You know, where did he get it? How did he get it? You know, that, so there's two different conversations going on. And so, but to break the dog from running, to break its nature, uh, they bought one of those shock collars with the electric fence, you know, and you, you bury the, you bury it all the way under and you like, you, they, they made like a triangle cause they didn't have a fence. It's kind of like the Bermuda triangle for dogs or whatever. And so, so that when the dog would, would run and cross the electric fence, it would get shocked. It would feel pain. And an amazing thing about that, that the dog only needed to get shocked a handful of the time or times. And then it quit straying and it quit running to where they got to the point they no longer had to put the shock collar on him and they no longer even had to turn the fence on because the dog was completely comfortable knowing that there is protection in the backyard it is good and anything outside of that is hurt is pain and it's difficulty and that's what Paul is trying to get them to understand. Just as the nature of a dog can change, God can change us. When we understand, when we understand that his laws, his laws are, are good. Second thing is this, is that we walk by the Spirit, but we're, we're led by the Spirit. It's one thing to go on a walk, but where are you going? Who's leading you? Someone's going to lead you. Something is going to lead you. Ever, ever notice that you are led by your strongest desire? Because sin is an inside deal and can be. That habit that you're trying to break? Have you ever realized that many times it's your, your strongest desire? That's why in Ezekiel that we've been reading through life journaling 36, 26, and 27, and I will give you a new heart and, I'll, and a new spirit, and I will put within you what Paul's talking about in Galatians. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. So it's only by my power. It's only by walking in the Spirit. And Paul said but in verse 16, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And he's highlighting the Spirit's power in your life. And it's not follow here. We're helpless. To follow in our own power. We're led. And don't miss this. Sons and daughters in a loving relationship with God are led. Are led. Orphans. Spiritual slaves, servants, 
are pushed, are driven, are beaten, are given guilt. Sons and daughters are led by a loving father. Romans 8.14 says, for all who are, there it is again, led. Led by the Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this in our own flesh. We're led by a loving Father where we understand that we order our lives under His commandments because it's good and it's healing and there's protection and there's love. And for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Verse 18 would tell us we're not under the law. Why? Because we don't need the law when we're led by the Spirit. We're led by Him. Romans 8, 3, and 4, Paul writes again, For God has done what the law, uh, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh he, in order that, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, what he's saying, there should be evidence in our life that the Spirit resides in us. And that's why he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and it's gentleness and it's, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is, there is no law. It, the fruit of the Spirit is a powerful image of Christ living in us. You and I cannot accomplish any of these things without the Spirit of God in our life. And that's the key to trusting God that we don't do this in our own power. I mean, we are growing and we are being transformed. And remember, Paul told them, Christ is formed in you. Christ is being formed in you. It's a process. Galatians 5.13, watch this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to live as you please, to make decisions however you want. But through love, what? Through love, serve one another. There's evidence of the Spirit-filled life right there. That self-love that you have for yourself of meeting your needs, seeing that you're happy, seeing that you're taken care of, seeing that you're provided for, Paul would say that same love that you have for self, show it to others. Focus it on others. And so Paul is helping them to understand this is what the sinful nature, this is what the flesh looks like, and this is what living in the Spirit looks like. Verse 14, he goes on, Galatians 5, he says, For the whole law is filled, fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Anybody you come in contact with, that's your neighbor. Whether they're in your own home, whether they're who you work with, whether they're in your community, whether they're who you go to church with, love your neighbor as yourself. The Spirit-filled life is a life that loves and serves other. Verse 9, Romans 8. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ 
does not belong to him. If we are united with Christ, there should be evidence in our life. He's not calling us to perfection. He's saying there's a battle. Verse 19 through 21, and especially at the end, where it says anybody that does these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does not mean that if I ever do any one of those things, I'm done. None of us would make the cut. I wouldn't make the cut. Where if you've ever been angry, done. If you've ever been jealous, done. If you've ever envied, done. If you've ever been sexually immoral, done. If you've ever gossiped, if you've ever caused distractions, divisions, hurt, pain, I mean, done. That is not what he's saying. The picture in the Greek is, if that becomes to the point to where it dominates their life, to where there's no battle. There's no war. They're completely comfortable with it. They're completely happy with it. And Paul was trying to get them to understand that if that's you, there may not be the Spirit in you. The last thing is this. We are walked by the Spirit. We live led by the Spirit, and we live by the Spirit. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, that's huge, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. See, this issue of, of the word crucified meant something totally different to them than it does to us. You see, the word in their time, in the first century, crucifixion was a horrible, painful death. I mean, it was brutal. Fact is, the Romans figured out ways that they could humiliate people. That's why they stripped them of their clothes, and that's why they spit on them, and that's why they, they insulted them, because the goal was to humiliate them, not just to kill them. And so sometimes we use that word improper in our time. Maybe you've heard people, I've heard people say, wow, they really crucified me today. They ain't crucified you. They may have hurt your feelings. They may have been rude to you, but you were not crucified. I mean, we take the cross, and the cross in their day was an instrument of death. In our day, it's jewelry. We hang it around, and there's nothing wrong with that. We hang it around our necks. We, we display it in churches. We have it on our cars, or we have it, we'll take it and hang it in our homes. Do you realize that is like, that is like us hanging an electric chair on the wall of our house? are wearing one around our neck to them. It's an instrument of death for us. It's an instrument of freedom because of what Christ did for us on the cross. To be crucified means to brutally kill. That it's brutal, it's hurtful, it's painful. And Paul says those fleshly desires can be so strong. It's only with the Spirit's power. And they have to be brutally killed and destroyed. It's painful. 
It takes work. It may be extremes like getting cable channels out of your house because of the temptation. It may get, be getting new friends. It may be surrounding yourself with Christians that can encourage you to live and follow God. But do you realize that the sinful nature is there and do you recognize it? Do you recognize the, the emotions or the strongest desires that are controlling you? Do you have habits that you can't break? And Paul is saying that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you, cannot, you can only break them with him. You cannot break those on your own. And we have to stop filling our life with other things than God. Scripture says, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk with the Spirit. Since, since we're made alive in salvation, and the key is, is we belong to Christ, verse 24. This is covenant language. I will be your God and you will be my people. You are my child. I will walk with you. The question this morning is, is do you belong to Christ? Is there evidence in your life that a war and a battle is going on? Do you have a relationship with him? Here, uh, three or four years back, I, uh, Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life and the big church in California and Newsweek says he's the most influential pastor in, in the U.S. He was in Colorado Springs, and he decided to stay overnight because of some flight problems. And so just spur of the moment, and I just got invited. I don't know how I got invited, but I got invited. And so to go up and have dinner with, about, with, a, with a small group of pastors with him. And so we're sitting around this, this table, and we're eating Italian food together, and it was talking church and stuff. And and so I just started talking to him. I said, I can't believe I, I've got to meet you. I mean, I've read all of your books. I know, I know all the statistics. I know that when you were in seminary, you dreamed of planting a church in, in California, a place where there weren't a lot of Christians. And so you took a, a, a map of California, you stuck a pen in it, and you said, that's where I'm going to start a church. And so I remember when you got to 5,000, and I remember when you got to 10,000, I followed you. I've heard all of your sermons. I've, I've heard all of that. And I began just giving a bunch of statistics. And, and so Rick Warren looked across the table and says, wow. You, like, know a lot about me. Why don't you fly home with me and get your wife and spend a week with me in my house and we'll just hang out? Now, he didn't do that because we didn't have a relationship. I knew a lot of facts and figures and stats about him. But I didn't know him. Paul said a relationship with God is when you know him and he knows you. It's not a bunch of facts and figures and stats. But a relationship is when you know him and he knows you. You may know a lot about him this morning, but does he know you? Do you belong to him? Is there a battle? Would you bow your heads with me? Man, I know this is strong words of Paul. And, and do you know that there's a battle going on in your life? And do you need to come to the point to where you accept him and give him your life? 
Today's the day, the morning's, this is the day, this is the time. Would you surrender to him and say, God, I want to belong to you. I want to accept you. Maybe you're here this morning and you know what? You know you belong to Christ. And you know there is a battle raging inside of you. And you know what? You may feel totally defeated here this morning that you have lost the battle and it's caused problems in your life and problems in your relationships. Would you ask him by the Spirit's power, would you help me to be victorious? Would you help me to claim that scripture that there may be a battle in my life, but in the Spirit I'll have victory? Would you know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? And if you need to come home to him, would you come home to him this morning? If you need to surrender to him, would you surrender to him this morning? Whatever he is calling and asking you to do, would you just be obedient? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you know us and you love us. And even though we fail and even though we lose a battle here and there, that we have not lost the war because we are yours. Would you give us power this morning to recognize the flesh, to recognize those desires are destructive, and to walk in your power and in your spirit and into victory. For we ask these saves in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me this morning as our worship team comes? And we're going to worship him and we're going to praise him. And some of you this morning, you need to come down front. Some of you need someone to pray with. You may need to come and kneel and pray on your own. But he's asking us to take the flower and lay it at the foot of the cross. Would you respond to him this morning?